Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Gentlemen, you're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about two fantastic movies, in my opinion. Uh, the first one being Chronicle, Max Landis's uh, written work from, I believe, 2011, 2012, starring Dane DeHaan. And a, a number of other great actors, young actors. Uh, and then our second film will be Dead Man's Chest, Pirates of the Caribbean number two. So, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of great movies on the docket here today, I think. Um, so, yeah, starting out, let's uh, play a little bit of Chronicle here. You're probably going to want to get this on camera. I don't want to do it. Dude, I don't want to do it. Okay, are you ready? Okay, Come on, yes. do it. Give me a countdown. I will, okay. I promise. Ah! <laughs> are we rolling? Let me get the gum. Pull it right out of his mouth. So the uh, film is, is, I think, one of the greatest of all time. I think it's my second favorite movie in history. Uh, only second to the way, way back. Um it was directed by Josh Trank, I believe, and then, yeah, written by, by Max Landis, who we, we've had here on the show, and uh, it was always a pleasure, and we'd love to have him back. Um, but, yeah, only one, though there were three of these uh, written out. Uh, the sequel to this, you can actually find the script online, which is just awesome, and it continues like a couple years later. But this story is about um, three teens who um, come across a... Uh, Oh, how did he describe it? A massive omnivorous geodesic organism, a MOGO, uh, to take it from Max Landis's uh, own words. And uh, it gives these three teens telekinetic powers. Um, but it's not really a superhero film so much as it is about three young men kind of discovering themselves and, and then conflicts within their lives, particularly the main character, uh, the main characters, who's played by Dane DeHaan, uh, kind of leads them on different paths and then it kind of becomes more of a traditional action film by the way filmed all like found footage which is my favorite medium to to show a film i love found footage films like uh chronicle cloverfield apollo 18 uh frankenstein's army any of those kind of films i i just love them uh what were your kind of thoughts on this gideon when you watched it yeah i'm not a huge fan of this movie um I watched this a while back, maybe mm -hmm. five years ago. Um, and so watching it again for the show, I mean, you said it was your favorite movie or whatever, or one of your favorite movies. And I was yeah, like, top two, very tight yeah, contention there. Um, so I was like, well, we'll give it a try, see how it goes. And it was just like very uh, not necessarily well put together. Like, I just feel like this is teen angst, the movie, in a lot of ways. Um, the found footage aspect of it is kind of fun, um, but I just feel like a lot of the story beats are are not necessarily um, earned. It's an it's an eighty ish minute long movie, and so there that part of it is I suppose like it's got that going for it. You just kind of get in, get out. 
but like for the for the topics that this is dealing with like uh his mom has some disease and his dad is abusive and he's got like mental health issues um it's just and there's like murder Andrew, and stuff yeah. like yeah, it's Andrew, just a yeah. lot of stuff kind of just thrown in here um and i don't think the movie necessarily definitely handles those very serious topics um for and it's part of that's tone um, I, I felt it handled Andrew's parents very well. Um, I mean, the dad's menacing and you kind of get that weird, like standoffish kind of eerie vibe from him. And then the mother, he's just very one note though. Like he's just like aggressive and he's like, he just says, Andrew, you suck. And that's pretty much all he says to him. Like, and that's and like, you, you're not, he's very aggressive and he doesn't really have any other mode than that. Like, he doesn't really do anything else other than be abusive. I was looking back over the cast list, and I, I was surprised to realize that the dad, uh, Andrew's father, is... Um, is I, I watched House of Cards at least, like, a couple seasons of it, and I realized, like, that actor's in there, too. I can't think of the guy's name, but just kind of, like, I never made that connection when I was watching House of Cards because I'd watched this many times. But, again, the dad isn't in this film a very... a, a huge amount. Neither is Andrew's mother... Um, yeah, but that's that's another part of my problem. Like his his dad is a huge part, plays a huge role at least in his development. in his development as a character and like where he goes. Like he seems to me to be the primary reason why he quote unquote turns to the dark side. Mm. Um, and I just don't feel like it's necessarily earned in that in that respect. Like I was I was watching this movie and it's like I do not buy what's going on here with him turning into like this quote unquote apex predator or whatever. Mm. Um, and that's how he sees himself as, is like the, the most evolved human essentially more or less. Mm. Um, well, I and, think it's, an, I mean, being bullied at school, years of being abused by his, his father. No, no, right. And I, I think what it's, being what asked. it's trying to say is like, if you give a person who's mentally unstable and doesn't really have uh, a clear path in life and someone who's just unstable as a human being in general and give them powers, then it's inevitably going to lead to destruction and mayhem and him going even further down in that path. I, th I think the real catalyst, though, was him crossing that line to try to save his mother, the, you know, kind of the same well, way, you know, Anakin with trying to save Padme. He crosses that line to to do what he has to do to save her. Yeah, and so he's... Right, so I was looking back at this and I was like, why is this not clicking for me? And so I looked, I pulled out this book. It's called um, Creating Character Arcs. And it mentioned, it's got the the positive change arc where you go from a, po a negative place in life to positive place in life. And then it's got the negative change arc, right? Um, and Anakin is a, it is a good example of the negative change arc. Somebody who goes from positive to negative in life. Mm -hmm. um, look, has a great outlook on life. Anakin, as a young kid, he's super powerful in the force, right? Um, or got a lot of potential with the midichlorians. Um and then eventually falls to the dark side. Whereas here, um, what uh, the character is starting in a bad place from life and going to a worse place in life. Um, and so, or like another downfall arc, like the Godfather. Um, I don't know if that's a, not necessarily a fair comparison to compare this to the Godfather, but like at the beginning of the Godfather, you've got Michael, Michael Corleone who, who has kind of like distanced himself from the crime uh, from the family, the family of crime that his father, the empire that his father has created, and eventually, as a result of his father getting shot, he is kind of roped into it, and eventually, 
uh, like you said, crosses that line. Um, but again, that 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 arc is more dynamic because he starts in a positive place, whereas here. Uh, the character is starting in a very negative place. He, his mom is dying. His dad is abusive to him. He doesn't have any friends. He, yep. He's kind of a loser. He doesn't really have any direction in life. He doesn't really have any personality to him. And so he goes from that to even more. Like, it's just not a very interesting does, change to me. I think he does have a very solid personality to his character. I mean, and I think Dane DeHaan plays an awesome Andrew Detmer. Uh I think it's just that he's such an introvert and he isn't really allowed to express himself very much until his friends, you know, until he starts making friends with Steve and Matt. Right. And, and Matt's, I, I mean, his cousin. But I mean, and so they've already had kind of a relationship. You see that they're somewhat close. They go to the same high school. They're about the same age. Um, with the introduction of Steve, that also kind of clicks too. But the three of them together kind of all find out who they really are because Steve kind of drops this facade of being like the perfect guy and like never you know, being like kind of like a football star running for, uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly, if he was into football, but I know he's like running for class president, he's doing all this other stuff. Yeah. And it's like, he's kind of the idealized, like what you should be doing in high school kind of guy, yeah. popular, liked by everybody doing a lot of extracurriculars. Matt's kind of the the slacker. He's got his stuff together, but, um, and he's, he's got a better social life, but he also isn't, isn't perfect. But then you have Andrew who's, who, who really hasn't come into himself yet. And then through through them being put together through through their circumstances with the Mogo, um, and and the and their development of their telekinetic powers, then they finally do show who they really are. And Andrew becomes more comfortable. Matt kind of realizes that you know it's not all about him. I'd say in, in a lot of ways. And then yeah. and then but, you yeah. know Steve kind of realizes he can he doesn't have to keep pretending to be this perfect person. He can kind of you know show his flaws a little bit too. Yeah, I agree with all that, and I think the the part where he basically develops and and becomes to have friends with with those guys that all that stuff pretty much works for the most like it's not it's not the most mind blowing sequence I've ever seen in my life, but like that whole sequence where they're becoming friends with each other and kind of just goofing off, it's just generic high school goofing off stuff, and that's fine um, for what the movie's trying to do. My problem comes when he goes down towards his like downfall part of it, mm-hmm. like the the idea of. Of a, of a downfall arc, I'm going to reference this book again, um, is that you need to have a very clear uh, difference between the right path and the wrong path. And this movie, I don't think necessarily makes the correct path clear enough. Like at the be, I think I think what the movie's trying to say is like when I think Matt is the name, is the name of the character tells him, okay, we got to have rules. We can't yeah. do this, 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 this. And I think that's what the movie's saying as what's the right path. But again, it's it's very a little bit just a little bit clunky because he's directly saying what we can't do and if that is what the movie wants to say is what we should have done if like it's kind of weird when you have superpowers in the mix because we don't have superpowers in real life obviously mm-hmm. um so i think it's it's kind of like you say if you have superpowers don't kill people with it more or less like and that's kind i'm just trying mm-hmm. to find a way to apply that like like what's the metaphor there right well um, it's like if you have the ability to harm someone you need to learn how to regulate yourself right and to, you and know so, it's like ufc fighters like, knowing not to get into a street fight with some random dude that's trying to road rage because you know that they could they have the potential to kill the guy right so like so but that part of it is just like very difficult for me to like metaphorically apply to my own life in a way if that makes sense so like <sighs> If you look at Anakin, it's less about the superpower part. It's about their personality right, part. The person, That's what right, you're right. supposed so, to be associating so saying, with yourself. I'm just saying structure, though. Like, if you look at Anakin in in the prequels, like, he, it, his thing is about, like, it's a much broader implication. It's more so, it's, 
like he's going down the dark side and it's like don't i don't it's it feels more metaphorically applicable than this does what i was also going to say is the fact that like his he kind of turns on his friends that he's made for no like his friends bring him out of this dark place and like he makes friends and they bring out of bring him out of this dark place so he's trending positive and then he just kind of turns on them for no real clear reason like i'm i'm just wondering what like he goes up into the sky and he's like making light. Is he the one? I don't know if he's the one making lightning or if he's just kind of like. No, they're the, just up in a lightning storm. Yeah, so he's just storm. up in the lightning storm. And so Michael B. Jordan comes up and he's like, dude, I'm here to help. Like, like legitimately just like, dude, like what's going on? I'm here to help you. Like he's being there. He's like, and that's all, and that's all great stuff. Right. Um, but where I lose, and that's kind of where the movie loses me is when he comes up there and then he's like, no, turn away from you. I don't want your help. Like, and it's like, but like, why though? Like there's I think no it's reason because why he's- he wouldn't, he wouldn't accept that help as a like it's okay i understand that it's the beat that the movie needs to hit because that's where it wants to go it needs to hit the beat to have him turn to the dark side i get that the problem that i have with it is that it doesn't do the work to make that beat believable i'm trying to remember exactly where where this was placed was that after he has his confrontation with his father in the basement i think so and that's why he then, goes up in this, and up and in that, that's just it i think he's really conflicted on what he should and shouldn't do with his powers because he knows that he has the ability to really change his life and improve it for himself and, you know, for his mother and for... But, like, how? If he kills his father. Kill, okay, well, so but, that's but not if he could, he could his kill his father, then, he could do stuff with his powers to save his mother by, by, you know, stealing, you know, money and all that sort of stuff, which he tries to do. And it's just, like, he has the ability to change the stuff, but he knows these rules that his friends have set, and he knows what is right and what isn't right, and he's yeah. conflicted internally because he knows what he what he needs to do to improve not only his life but the people around his, but then he knows he just can't do that. And it, I think yeah, that's see, what I it is. Any the, of that. I think it's the catalyst of that internal conflict of what he should do and what he can do. And And as he's realizing how powerful he truly is, even amongst his friends, he's always the one that's the f- furthest developed with his powers. Yeah. He's the one who is the strongest out of all three of them, by far. And and he realizes that, and that's why he's the apex predator. And and that's not just yeah, a that broad whole sense. Thing is like a, another wheel development because it's like it's like making it's like going two steps, right? He's going from like bad to like bad because he thinks he's the like he, he becomes like he thinks, a little psychotic, he thinks, right? He he becomes he goes total psycho. He's like because I'm the best person in the world i have the right to do whatever the heck i want i think which i I, that's just such a huge leap i think you're focusing less on the on the first part but on or on the on the part where he's actually calling himself an apex predator but less on the monologue that he's saying kind of beforehand where he no i'm saying that part like that part where he like when he crushes the car right yeah but the first time he says that he's like i'm reading up on evolution and all this philosophical stuff and i believe i'm an apex predator it's like where did that come from? Like, he's not, he's, he's not really, uh, we've never really heard any of that stuff up to this point. Like, of him, other than the fact that he's, has developed more faster than his friends, but like, there's nothing, like, they haven't really compared themselves to the rest of the world, if that makes sense. I think, I think the line to take out of that whole monologue is not um, the apex predator part, but the part where he's talking about not showing remorse. When you kill a fly, you don't that's feel what, bad No, that's about what I'm it. saying. Like, he's, but I think, because I, he's the apex predator, or because he feels like he's better than everybody else, mm-hmm. he has the right to do whatever he wants. He basically is like appointing himself as a yeah. god, yeah. more or less. Um, and I just don't think I just don't like it's. It's just such a huge leap for for what for the, what the movie's trying to do. Um, I feel like it's, it would just be more believable if he if he. Um, I I don't know. Like it's it just his character arc just overall feels 
not necessarily like the beats themselves. Like I said, the beats themselves feel like they're in the right place and they and they do what they're supposed to do as far as like uh, what a character arc should do. It's just as the the, the way we get to those specific character beats um, doesn't always work for me. God, I wish we were reviewing this with Max Landis. How cool would that be <laughs> to have him here on this episode? Oh my gosh. But uh, all right, when we come back, we will uh, be talking about the stores for this film, so stick around. I'm Rebecca Foster. Whenever news breaks, when it comes to taking on extremism and terrorism, things need to change. FSN is there. Natalie Powell, London. Giles Gibson, Washington. Francis Reed, Los Angeles. We're now bringing comprehensive coverage of worldwide events weekday afternoons and evenings on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh and WRST.org. Your only local source for global updates from Feature Story News. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen with Max and Gideon, and we are now going to be storing the film Chronicle. Uh, Gideon, what's our first category? First impression. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I loved this film from the second I saw it. I It was one of those films that I couldn't stop thinking about ever since I've watched it. I, I, I just, it, it affected me. It, it stuck with me for, through all these years. It is one of the greatest films of all time. The only downsides I, I, or the only parts of this, I'm not a huge fan of. We'll get into it and look and feel, but as far as first impression goes, I can't give this a higher score. I think it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I, I don't want, it's just not my thing. I don't know. Like, I just don't think it's necessarily structurally perfect. I think it's got some really cool, I think the strongest parts of it are it's like found footage aspects and the way it uses like the powers to interact with the camera. Yeah, that's that so cool. Of, yeah, like, like a camera like, floating I, around. Because it's yeah. just using the conceit in a in a, in an interesting way. Um, yeah. That's probably my biggest positive, honestly. Or or like the the fight at the end that also oh, is really cool. The way cool. they cut it together like, is so cool. Like, it's interesting because like you look at something like maybe Batman v Superman, um, and or not Man of Steel is probably a better example. Um, because the Towards characters the can there, fly... Yeah. A lot of the or Shazam or really a lot of DC movies, the because the characters can fly, a lot of the impacts from punches and stuff just feels lost because it's like in the air, so it's kind of weightless. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't have we we don't understand the physics of something in the air as much as we do understand the physics of something that's on the ground. Yeah. Um. But well, this movie, I, so there's something about the way that the that the camera jumps around the city and it's because it's maybe it's because it's static. Mm. Um. From like a like you know the security camps or whatever, yeah, um, or on the ground from a perspective like it just feels a lot has a lot more weight to the punches and the and the and the crashes and whatever happens than it does in those in the movies some of the time like well, I, so I isn't think that, it the I, I mean just about the punches like a flying if you're flying a punch like barely makes sense it's like about the amount of force you can like exert like. Uh, pushing uh, off of something or something there's something weird like that where it's like yeah, it doesn't like, usually make sense like if you're floating or if you're in a weightless environment almost yeah, it like can't, you can't well we do can't it. study people punching each other in the air we can study people punching each other on the ground like we we know what that looks like and i that, suppose i don't and that's just it but it's like um, the amount of force you generate like pushing off of something it's something like that whereas if you're floating you can't push off so it's like there, there's this weird because you've got to be there's well, some sort of physics if you're able to it, fly but, you can go forward and you can have your normal force pushing forward so but then you yeah. again even the person absorbing the blow, they're not going to have as much to, like, they can 
I don't know. It's it, all, it's, it's all it, weird. There's a weird, there's a weird scientific thing about it that somebody's, I, I remember hearing, I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. I wish I had like looked it up before this, but I didn't think this conversation would go here. Um, but it's like with these guys, because it's, they're using telekinesis for their, for most of their punches, like to kind of boost themselves and to protect themselves and all that. Then there's that extra factor that actually could have some serious impact. That is like not a, not a, Leg- re- not a real you know factor because obviously tele- telekinetic powers like this don't exist but like it's it's kind of that extra variable that then makes these punches actually powerful even if traditional physics don't allow that um way off topic there sorry about that uh so what is your first impression score Gideon I'm gonna go with a four I think um I just don't vibe with this really at all oh Gideon <laughs> like the mo- a lot of it has to do with the ending, and this is what made me hate it the first time I watched. I think, mm. um, just the character, like where where his the to the place where his character goes. Like again, it's just the tone thing. Like it's it's trying to do something, um, very very dramatic and very uh, just it takes a huge leap with his character and and the things that he does at the end and where he like I just don't it just doesn't make like I just it doesn't make me feel right and it, I don't it just doesn't work for me. That's how I felt that the way you just described that is how you feel about Whiplash. I know. You knew. All right. He figured it out. That's amazing. I was literally going to yeah, say but that. I, can That's go, awesome. I could go on and on about how Whiplash earns every single beat in its entire movie. I did recently watch like an analysis of the kind of the climax of Whiplash, and it has changed my opinion a little bit. I still don't feel as, as strongly about it as you do, but it did improve it a little bit. But. Was it the one where it gets compared to Black Swan? No. Oh, you got to watch that one because that's an interesting one. All right. But our next category, Gideon? Uh, next category is Story. Okay, great. Oh man, these are awesome. I love them. Uh, story uh, again, ten. There's this is this is. I mean, this is almost gonna be a perfect movie for me. It's not a perfect movie, and and when we get into certain other other aspects of this, it uh, devolves a little bit. But um, story uh, story, I think is flawless. And I've read the the sequel script, and I think that one's flawless. I I love the cinematic this this land of cinematic universe for 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 these three films and uh you know chronicle martyr and i don't think the third one had a name if it does i'm blanking on it but uh yeah i just i just loved i love these and and i wouldn't change a single thing about them i think that they're just exactly what i would want from these films yeah i mean i've kind of gone on my reasons why i'm not a huge fan of the story um already I, I think like again the story itself works fine but it's the way this like the 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 more uh smaller beats of the story and and how the how it progresses structurally just uh it's not i, I it's doesn't work for me i i four i can't oh. i can't go higher i can't go because it's not a three like it's it's tr- at least trying something um you don't think it's even average you don't think you think it's below average yes i i think there's some severe structural problems with mm. the way his character progresses Oh man! All right, then uh, follow up here. We're gonna be doing uh, what's our next category? Acting. 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 All right. Uh, so again, I think it's awesome. I love Dane DeHaan. This was the film that really got me into his his filmography. I mean, I think he's awesome in A Cure for Wellness. I think he does great in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh, Valerian. Dude, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, he played. not a, not a great movie, but like 
it got a little bit too much hate, I feel like. I, I agree. I think both of the Amazing Spider-Man movies just were disliked because... Same reason for the the prequels in Star Wars. I don't think they were disliked because they were bad films. I think they were disliked because they were different. There was kind of like a different feel to them. Still equal quality in storytelling and all that, and the visuals were awesome. Most people consider the Amazing Spider-Man like graphics as far as Spider-Man himself. They say those ones are the best, you know. I think it was just because it was just different they didn't like it. But but Dane DeHaan, I think, was fantastic in that. This was the film that really got me into his stuff and made me want to kind of watch anything he's involved in. The only things I really haven't seen lately that I know he's in is uh, um, Life After Beth, which I really want to see. It's a it's a romance zombie movie, which is really cool. And like the dude's girlfriend is a zombie and like she's slowly devolving into like what you think of as like a walker. And it's just it's just cool. And I, I really would love to watch that. Um Valerian I saw I was not a fan of that but I don't think it was his fault I think it was just a weird plot that they didn't really know what they were doing with it but I think uh, acting is is again as as good as it can be I would say it's a I would say this is a 10 yeah I think um yeah Dane DeHaan's performance is is does what it needs to I, I really like Michael B. Jordan as an actor I think he's probably gone on to do the the best or been in the most stuff after this movie compa- of of the three leads yeah, um, yes. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's tight between him and Dahan. Um, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> like, Michael B. Jordan's been in Black Panther, Creed, Fruitvale Station, Just Mercy recently. Wasn't he in the Fantastic um, Four movie that came out a few years after he this? he was also in Fan Four Stick. <laughs> yeah. But Which I, was also directed I mean, by... Not. I don't... Josh Trank. Yep. Yeah. That's why they didn't go to do the second film is because Josh was already off on this. Yeah, I love crazy. Michael B. Jordan, though. Like he's a good actor. I for love sure. him so much. Like in in Black Panther, his performance. He's, I, he I, plays the bad guy, right? He plays yeah. He plays Killmonger. Like legit yeah. should have been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, for that he role. did very well in that. Um, I, I, that's the one good thing about that film. I love the villains in that. Very, yeah, he's he's. Villains. I think he's a better villain than Thanos. Um, best yeah. best villain in the entire MCU, in my opinion. That would um, go to that would go to Obadiah Stane for me. But um, anyway, yeah, so so um, where would you put the acting? I'll give it a six. Like it's 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 perfectly fine across the board. I do think his dad gets very uh, hokey and trite, a little little too stereotypical. Like, well, he he just is a stereotype to me. Like, I don't see him as like I don't literally do not see any other depth to his character other than abusive father. I felt like it was Um, a pretty which realistic. uh, Well, when you're doing an abusive father, like it's just such a like a touchy topic. Like it's very like and it just. Having a stereotype as that just feels very odd. Like I just it just doesn't I, sit right with me. I felt like he was r- totally not written as a stereotype. I thought it was a very raw and realistic version of what uh, of a lot of abusive people. And I think the father's like inability to really recognize that the issues in himself and not the people around him, not the wife, not the son. It's yeah. like well, if you let if you let me compare it to Whiplash for a second. <laughs> Yeah, are you going to compare him to Fletcher? Um, well, I'm going to compare him to Fletcher, but it's not just Fletcher. It's the fact that Andrew's actual father, and are they both named Andrew? Is it is this, is Dane DeHaan's character named Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Andrew Neiman, Neiman is the character from Whiplash. So yep. um, I just wanted to be clear. Yeah. You know what I'm Andrew's actual father, who's played by uh, Paul Reiser, actually, mm-hmm. um, is a is a is a great fit like a, a just a great father figure like they're just they're just uh, kind of get together and and have a pretty pretty good relationship throughout the movie, whereas Fletcher is 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 
quote unquote the abusive father but it's the fact that he's also not his father which kind of distances himself from that stereotype and then he's also like developing throughout the, like he's not always mean to him every second they they interact he's both mean to him and he's he's warm to him and he and you can never really tell where he's at like he's a very dynamic he, you don't know what he's gonna do at any given scene like he's very uh volatile like mm. he, he, he he's everything he does is unexpected whereas every time in chronicle where and chronicles andrew his dad comes up to him you know exactly what's going to happen which not is just always. not interesting to me i thought the confrontation where the dad's in the chair in the in the living room and andrew's about to go uh to you know see matt and he's just like where do you where do you keep going you know and he's like confronting him because he's realizing it's but he's of, still he's still doing the same thing he's but he's not being mean to him yeah he's being mean but he or he's being kind of eerie and mean but it's like i don't know it was different i think it's a different vibe than the rest of the film i think the only I don't know. It's, I think the only time it kind of gets a little weird with his dad is like when the dad's yelling at him in the hospital when he's in well, again, like ICU so just, again, and his dad's like getting like really angry at him. But then again, it's like, I think that also really shows off what kind of character they wrote his father as. Yeah. Um. I, but so yeah. six for acting for you. Yeah. I mean, right. yeah. Look and feel then is our next category, correct? Correct. I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, uh, this is the only category I would say is not a 10 for me. I think, oh man, this is tough because this is my favorite way of shooting a film. It is it is so awesome when they do a found footage film right, and I think this film does it better than any other one. Um, but the graphics on some of the effects were not great. Magic Show really shows it off. There's a part where, to do, where Andrew's doing a tight rope walk, and he's like juggling and he throws these balls behind him and it lands on the tightrope and rolls for like a second yeah. and just drops off. Right. But the way that they drop off looks so unrealistic and awful. I think the awful. spider looks pretty unrealistic is probably the... Oh, I didn't think... I didn't have any issues with the spider or anything like that. It usually had to do with inanimate objects. Like like I said, those balls when they do the, the card tricks, when the, the cards go everywhere and it kind of comes back. So I think the most of the issues were actually just during that that magic yeah, show. Yeah, that magic show. I forgot about that. That is another problem that I have with the movie because he sh it's not the fact that he's showing the the thing off in front of the whole um, school. school, but like he, he does other things in the school where people watch him use the powers and like, did they just not? Did the school just not put two and two together? Like, I don't. I mean, no. I, the, the only other thing that happens in the school is a teeth incident. And nobody yeah. was really watching that. Everyone was watching that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that'd be pretty hard to figure out what happened. I wouldn't assume the dudes had telekinetic powers right off the bat. I no, would think maybe something not. weird I'm, happened. It's, yeah, I'm I, not, it's not necessarily. It's not a quote unquote like plot hole. I don't really care about plot holes, anyways. Um, I don't think it's a. I, I just don't think that would have been the. If I'm uh, just walking no, around would, a school and I see somebody, like, I mean, also the guy who who went off the off the road, like the police came and fought, and like so, and like just a whole bunch, a bunch of incidents leading up to this. It's like maybe someone would have investigated and asked him more questions. I don't know. Like, I, I'm not saying that they should have done that because it's not what the movie's interested in. Well, there was in. So no really, impact on their a, car. Right. It's not a real issue. It's it's not a huge deal. I, okay. So uh, for look and feel, I would say it's an eight. It loses two points for the bad graphics on the magic show. Besides that, I think it's solid all the way through. And I and I love the way the, the film looks. Yeah. Um, I'm like between a six and a seven. Um, I do think it, again, the, the, the way it treats found footage and uses the powers to basically stabilize the shot, um, 
is really in I, I'm gonna go with the seven because it does it does it use the use the 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 quote unquote gimmick. I'm saying quote unquote a lot this episode. I have no <laughs> idea why. It's all good. Um it uses the gimmick in a way that that works um and and uses it to its advantage in ways that aren't necessarily uh the way you know, what, what, like, you, uh, if you, I haven't seen a whole I, ton I think of they, films, but like, they establish it better than most films do. Cloverfield doesn't establish it very well. It starts out as like this guy's filming for whatever. Then there's this big like going away party. Oh, He's part of that. I just forgot another part of this whole thing that kind of annoyed me is the fact that like everyone gets pissed at him for using a video camera. Like that's the first 15 minutes of the film is literally just scene after scene after scene after scene of people looking at the camera and saying, "Hey, why are you filming me?" And it's just like. Like, I just don't, like, maybe, maybe that would be the case in 2012, but, like, definitely not today. Like, people would well, not Yeah, even, this is a pretty, yeah. pretty smartphone. I mean, unless you I had, mean, like, a high-end Blackberry have, some or something. Some people had smartphones in this, but it's, this like... This would have been, like, a Gen yeah, 1 like today, iPhone. if someone's filming, it's, like, no no one cares. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, it's it's different, though. He's got a big camera. I mean, it's that not even true, it's not like, even discreet. It's, like, this thing's, like, a, a ca- like, a real camera. And but like people walk up to him and like over and over, like it just in happens the party, over, it happens like a lot, but it happens at the when he's on the bleachers, like the cheerleader comes up and talks to him. That would make sense. I mean, I mean, I suppose high school like, or dude just videotaping the cheerleaders, know, they couldn't even know that he, he had a wide enough lens, they, they wouldn't even know that they were shooting them specifically, like they were far enough away. I it just it, and it happens more than that, too. Like, like I think Matt talks to him at one point about, like, oh, why are you filming stuff? And he's like, for observation or i don't I, like that. I think it falls into a, a a different um thing where it's like the 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 when matt confronts him about it early on in the car ride he's like i know he's putting he's putting kind of a barrier between him and the camera that's why like it's yeah. it's it's his way of kind of coming out a little bit out of his shell and put it and getting out there more is having that safety net right i agree with that i'm just saying that it's a thing that it kind of annoyed me. Um, effect is the next last one. It's going to have a psychological effect on how the audience perceives you. Yeah. Uh, again, 10 for me. Awesome film. Always have loved it. Never have stopped loving it. Uh, again, it's like my second favorite film of all time. Yeah. It, um, it, it's a 10 for me. This is like another four. Like I just don't, I just don't vibe with it. It's not my thing. Um, and that's just the way it is. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll now be uh, talking about Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest. So stick around. Sam Weish was a quarterback, head coach, and broadcaster in the NFL. Last year, he became a heart recipient. And now I know what a miracle feels like. My new heart gave me a new mission in life, and that is to get others to sign up to be organ donors. There are over 130 million people that have already signed up be a part of that. Please sign up to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. Gideon and I, here on Script to Screen, will be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. Yeah, final score for Chronicle, though, before we, yes. before we move on was a 73 out of 100, which puts it just above Love Exposure at 72 and just below the Way, Way Back. What was Way, Way Back at, 74? 76. 76, okay. Well, at least, I mean, the placement there kind of makes sense, but uh, hmm. at least with my hierarchy, but... uh, It's also right next to uh, True Story, which (sighs) I think is another one of your favorites. Yes, it is. It's like top... Six, I think you. I think that's right around there, like 
fifth or sixth place. Um, great, great film. But uh, all right, Pirates of the Caribbean 2, Dead Man's Chest. I think probably, I mean, it's not my favorite of the original three, but uh, definitely, definitely uh, one of the best. But uh, first, we're going to play a little bit of the trailer here. What is it that has Jack spooked? How much do you know about Davy Charles? You owe me your soul. And it's time to pay up. <laughs> And uh, yeah, again, I think it's a great film. Um, my favorite is the third one at World's End. Um, in a in a five, what is it? There's five movies in this whole series. I think this yeah. is probably the second best one. Um, how do you feel about it? Where does it kind of rank? Um, my favorite used to be Curse the Black Pearl, and was for a long time. Um, I think this might be my new favorite. Like, I think it's just legitimately that good. Mm. Um. It's got the best like production design I've seen from a movie in the two thousand from a blockbuster at this scale in the twenty first century. Like I, it just I do not comprehend how like this has fallen in the public's eye. At least from as far as I've seen, like people don't seem to like this movie, but like it's it's in my top one hundred of all time. I think. What was the budget on this? Because I know the third one had like three hundred or four hundred million that went into yeah, it. Yeah, like, it was the, insane. I think the I think the the fifth fourth one broke the record for it had like a 300 million dollar budget yeah i swear that was at world's end that had the 300 mil no i'm pretty sure that the fourth one was the one that broke the record but um this one i probably not even close to that high honestly i will we'll see i'm guessing 125 125 mil i would guess like 200 it's at okay it says 225 225 so that's still really that's really still high. pretty high yeah i mean you got and that's 2006 money also so and inflation doesn't hit it that hard, I don't think, from there. But, um, I mean, you'd still have to make almost like four hundred or five hundred million, at, you know, to really. Yeah, have and it a good did. Mark. It did very well domestically. It was one of the highest grossing uh, domestic films of all time for a for a while. Um, I'm not sure how it did. It had like four hundred million dollars, I think, domestically. Mm. Um, overseas, looks like it broke a billion. Wow. Uh, well, yeah, good 400, on 400 million domestic and then a billion worldwide. There's, the plot just kind of picks up from, from where the first one uh, ends. Will and Elizabeth are about to be married, and then it's, like, broken up by the, by, uh, was it Beckett? Yep. They introduced Beckett in the, in this one right away. Yep. Um, right so away it's broken up by Beckett, kind of ruins it, tries to arrest him for piracy and, you know, aiding and abetting, uh, you know, Jack. And then they kind of go off and... Uh, have to do their own thing. Jack, meanwhile, is like starts off in in a prison, <laughs> prison with him, and he like escapes that, and yep. he's he's got this little peach of or piece of cloth that's got the the key to Davy Jones' chest written on it, written yeah. on it, kind of. And you see that he's got kind of his own thing going on because I was the I'm trying to remember because I didn't rewatch this for this because I've seen this film so many times, but. Did he have the black spot already, or was it? Nope. So, uh, bootstrap Bill, he he gets the key, the 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 drawing of the key, um, and then bootstrap Bill shows up on the black pearl and gives it to him. 
gives him the black spot, which marks him, and then Davy Jones can kind of. And at that point, he's like, "Land, go to land." Yeah, because he, he knows and the, the And then the the monkey comes and grabs his hat and throws it overboard, and everyone's like, "Jack's hat, go get it!" And then he's like, "Oh, land, yeah, run." <laughs> yeah, cause, well, I mean, he knows what's up. He knows what's at stake. Yep. And, and then, then they, and then we go into the cannibal sequence, which is awesome. Yeah, hilarious. So yeah, they go and and which they by the way they referenced in the first film. When Jack is on the docks, when Elizabeth falls into the water, he's saying like, and then, and that's how they made me their king. Or he says, and that's when they made me their king. So he's actually talking about that. So a little bit of um, foreshadowing there. Uh, if you don't believe me, rewatch the scene, dude. They, they, do sh- they do totally talk about that. And uh, yeah, that's great. And Crew's trying to escape that. And then you see David and Will ends up on, on, on the Flying Dutchman for a bit. And he meets his father kind of for the first time and yep. sees that whole situation. And they introduce Davy Jones, who's fantastic. And who plays him? Um, uh, Davy Jones is played by, um, it's either Bill Nye or Bill Skarsgård. I always mix those two up because one of them plays Davy Jones and one of them plays, or Stellan Skarsgård, sorry. Okay, yeah, Bill, Bill Nye plays Davy Jones and Stellan Skarsgård plays uh, Bootstrap Bill. And uh, I, I get confused because it's a different not, Bill Nye than the science guy. Well, yes, different Bill Nye than that guy. Um, <laughs> well, okay, and I get confused because Stellan Skarsgård has a kid called Bill Skarsgård. I'm pretty sure the guy who plays Pennywise. Um, oh, so I I just got all, all there's a bunch of different Skarsgårds because there's Alexander Skarsgård too. Uh, um, there's there's a lot of them in Hollywood, and they're I just get them mixed up sometimes. Um, yeah, no, Bill Nye as Davy Jones. Like he's a better CGI creation than Thanos, and they did it fifteen or when did it twelve years earlier? Yeah, something close to that. Yep, absolutely, I agree. I think I mean when you look at all of the background characters, I mean, like so the, much the entire time went crew into it. of of the of the Flying Dutchman is like insane. Yeah, like and the amount of like gnarly things that happen in this movie, like the guy, the one guy who like falls down is like his face is just a blob of nothing. Cause it gets sucked off. <laughs> yeah. The guy, who, the one of the crew, D- Dutchman crew gets like his stomach cut open and like fish guts pour out of it. Like the, Oh yeah. It's like when, chum. when Jack yep. is on the, on the, the prison place and like a pair or a bird comes up and like legit pulls an eyeball out of somebody's face and you yeah. watch it happen this is uh, the dark one. Like, i mean they always say that in the middle of a trilogy the second one's it always gets the darker darkest. but it's not just like they're the the amount of visual risks they're taking and like just saying here's something like kind of this or jack like literally gnawing on a toenail like mm. you don't see stuff like this in a blockbuster ever and it's just like it but it makes sense for the world of the pirates like it's it's supposed to be a grimy and dirty world and they totally achieve that not only with just the production design but like just the way just the amount of weird things that happen yeah it uh like the guy whose face is like inside of a crab shell yeah and then like yep. ev- and then he turns his face into it and a crab comes out the other like what? yeah they do a lot of cool stuff but i mean it ends really well on uh i'm trying to remember what the island is um where davy jones buried his heart i'm it's like santa oh, Cruz, cruza yeah, or something know, like that it's, it's like either. it's it's some span ila cruza i think ila cruces yeah i think is what it's called so uh awesome fight there the windmill the windmill or oh the, 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 gosh. the or it's a, a no it's not a windmill it's, it's not a, like it's a like watermill, a watermill or, yeah, yeah. Dude, the part where where Jack gets his head smacked by that bar 
makes my head hurt every time I watch it. Mm. Like he gets it, it's wheeling around, and then it like event he's running it that part, and then it smacks his head, and then he falls out. Like it, ugh. it just makes it just is not. It gives me anxiety. Or another great scene. Uh, I got a jar of dirt. I got a jar of dirt. And guess what's inside it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! And and this movie really does a great job. Uh, and I'll go into it more story, but like there are a lot of people's arcs happening all at once in this and yeah. it really does a great job in allowing everybody to have time to breathe and to yeah. establish characters it does it better than the avengers i think uh yeah. you know it's like i mean it's not balancing character a lot of characters well the thing that's interesting about this movie is it's like the character arcs aren't necessarily like clear and but that's not that's not a negative for the for this one specifically like it's it's something like where it's not focused on the character arcs. Like you look at something like like uh, Star Wars, maybe I don't know, um, where it's like very hero's journey centric, mm. and it's like saying, okay, here's the character. Whereas this one is just like, here's cool pirates and like awesome production design, and you're just gonna have a lot of fun. Um, but it subtly weaves those character beats throughout, um, and I think that's a really interesting way to make a blockbuster more so than being like. It, it, I love Star Wars, obviously, um, and I love the way that it uses, uh, it, that it creates character arcs, um, but I think this is just a, an interesting, uh, different way to, 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 to tell a story. All right. Well, when we come back, we are going to get into the scores of Dead Man's Chest, so stick around. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. And welcome back. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. Gideon and I are about to uh, give our scores here for Dead Man's Chest. So first category is first impressions. Just so you know, you're making a pretty bad first impression. I, uh, I can't remember the first time I watched this. My dad was obsessed with this series. He was obsessed with anything Caribbean related. Loved Barbados. He loved, he, he claimed he partially wrote part of the first film, which I, I don't know exactly how true that is, but uh, he did claim it many times. Um, <clears throat> but he uh, but he loved this. We probably watched the first three Pirates films countless times, especially the, the, uh, the original one. So I cannot think of the first time I watched this, but I know I did like it way more than the first one. Um, Curse of the Black Pearl is never my favorite. Um <clears throat> I think my first impressions of this are probably an eight. I don't, I, again, I didn't like this one as much as I liked the third one. I thought the third one was even, even cooler than this. Yeah, no. And, and, know, yeah. and knowing kind of where this went, I think it was, it probably would be like first impression for Curse of the Black Pearl being six. This one would be an eight, and my following one would probably be like a nine. Um, <clears throat> But yeah. Yeah, I think Curse of the Black Pearl, like just, structurally and like technically is just a better put together movie um than this is like it's just it's it's pacing is overall better i think it's character work is probably overall better um 
just structurally, I think it just works better. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really care because the stuff in this movie is just that cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the action scenes, I think, are better. And the comedy, well, that might not. My brother and I were debating this. Which one has better comedy, this one or the first one? He says this, the first one. I I'd say, say it's the first probably one. a tie. No, it's um, a, I'd say it's the first one. This the first one's, one's great. Yeah, the first one's, yeah, it's just got, I think it's probably just overall better written. Um, but again, this one has, like, the best production design overall. Um like, and they go bigger with it in the third one. Um, I don't know. I just feel like this one has is the most imaginative of of the three uh, of the five, but the last two don't even hardly count. I count um, the fifth one in this whole thing, but the fourth one I just ignore. Like I yeah. ignore the sequel trilogy of Star Wars. I think um, it didn't even happen. Like the Kraken, the the fact that they. They do this thing where it's like they got the the camera above the sh- of the above the flying Dutchman as it like dives down underwater and we watch it happen and like we're underwater with like you don't it's just got uh, visuals you don't see like and this like and a lot of people say like well visuals can't save a movie you have to have a solid story first and it's like yes true this one does have a solid story but like visuals can aid a movie score in my mind if they actually are creative and they're using them in an interesting way, whereas something like, uh, tra- I'm gonna compare take, it to I'm gonna take the low hanging fruit and say Transformers, but like oh. Transformers is just like okay, you're throwing money at this, but it's just like a bunch of noise explosions. happening on the screen. It's, it's just, just noise and explosions. Whereas this one, it's actually like doing interesting things with its budget. Um, and you don't feel that same way about Chronicle, that it was doing a ton of unique stuff with it. Like, I, well, I mean, it's doing some interesting things, but, like, overall, first of all, it doesn't have as huge a budget. It's because it's a more indie production. I think it had, like, a budget of, like, $4 million. Um, I think I looked this up. Uh, it's it sh- it, Something like that needs to be more focused on the story. It needs to have a perfect story as an indie production because... And then, the, and then use its more sci-fi, ele- like, elements okay. to... Whereas with something like this, it's, like... It's a, it's just two different things. It's two different types of movie making. And when you're gonna have a budget this big, you gotta do creative things with it. Production design and 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 set pieces. Right. And it does deliver. Um for yeah. So, so for first impression for me, I'm gonna go with an eight also. Um I have this score as a nine right now overall on Letterboxd. Um, but I feel like eight is just as far as like, yeah. Story is next category. Uh, <clears throat> for story, oh man, I think it's really solid again. I don't know if it's flawless. Um, yeah, it, it's, exactly. da- I think like it has my a story, issue, but it's not flawless. And that's why like the, 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 the production design brings it over the top. But- my issue with the story of this and a little bit into the, the, the third one as well, parts of it are confusing to me. Like the way that the, both of those films think- open up and it's kind of confusing. I mean, like, I don't think that's the problem. I think, if anything, the problem is, like, it being too convoluted. But I think that's part of the fun of it. Like, the, like you look at the third one, and they're like, uh, everyone votes for themselves except for except for Jack, who votes for Elizabeth. Elizabeth something like that. Um, but, like, this one, it's, like, convoluted. Just convoluted enough to have fun with it, but not too convoluted. Like, I feel like the third one just gets a, a tad too... Like, too many people want what they want, and you don't know what they want, and they where they want, and they yeah. change what they want. Whereas this one is, like, just the perfect amount of that. I, I guess my issues are that some parts of it are, are a little confusing. I feel like the the opening, like, five minutes of this film, and and especially the third one, like, never really made too much sense to me. There I are, think the opening of this one is awesome. 
I just thought they went a little too artsy with it and like they show, you know, Elizabeth oh, sitting no, it's there so in the cool dress and she's all, like, in yeah, it's all the just rain all without words. It's like, yeah. It's like after it's, the. Well, no, it's the thing. It's going genuine with it. Like you look at something like the Marvel movies, which are like fine or whatever, which something that blows my mind is that this has a, like a 53% of Rotten Tomatoes, which is lower than every single of my MC. Literally. Every single MCU movie. That's, Not a that's, single one has a lower score than that's, this, um, which I just don't understand. Um, well, that's what it shows how bad Rotten Tomatoes is. I, okay, I dude. No, it's not, that. it's not Rotten Tomatoes. It's critics. I think, first of all, it's not Rotten Tomatoes. It's the critics. Second of all, this was also released in 2006. I feel like this was if this was released today, like it's it's hard to compare the two because they release at different times. Yeah. Although, I mean, Incredible Hulk was released. It has the lowest score and it was released in 2008. So, I don't know. Whatever. Um, it's... It does what it... I forgot what I was even talking about anymore. <laughs> it's fine, man. Uh, I think for story, I think I'm going to give this uh, a seven. I, I don't think I would go any higher than that. I don't think I would go any lower. I think it's a seven. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, so, like, this movie, compared this to MCU movies, where, like, a lot of what they're doing is, like, this self-reflexiveness where it's, like, saying, ha-ha, we're going to joke about this and not take it too seriously, and, and because we're not taking it too seriously, you can't really judge us for not messing up or whatever. Yeah. Whereas this, it's, like, going full-on genuine with its dramatic beats. It's, like, it's yeah. like when they're... Absolutely. Or, like, it's, like, it's like you, you're you genuinely feeling for the characters, and it's, like, it's got this this heart to it and this, like, like full... like Or take the third one, for an example. Like, when they're walking up to each other... And, like, they got the dramatic beat music playing. It's, like, full-on going for it. Like, which is so much more interesting because, like, even if it's failing, which, whatever, but if it fails, at least they're trying to do something rather than just saying, having, what's it called? I think it's called bathos, where it's a thing where, like, you set something up to be a dramatic moment and then undercut it as a joke. Um, I think it's just overused in the Marvel movies, which has been a point that's been made by too many people on the internet at this point, so I'm going to make it again. Um, score. Score for story. I said eight, I think. Eight? Yeah. Okay. So seven and seven for me, eight for you. Coming up next is... Really solid acting in this. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody really fails at in this one. Um, I think maybe Norrington's a little much, or maybe um, some of the background characters might be a little over the top, like the crab guy. Yeah, but no, I, I give I, it a nine. The, I still give it a nine. It's okay, the top crab guy. Though. The crab guy's not over the top because that's what he's doing. He's kind of he's, he's that's his relief. job to be comic relief. Whereas, whereas Norrington's role is intended to be more dramatic, and I think I agree with you. He is probably the weakest link um, in the whole thing. But I he's not bad. Um, I just don't buy what he's doing because he also doesn't have. Um, that's the other thing. Is like. It does the dramatic beats, but at the same time, it has enough comedy to be like to not feel overbearing, um, and and self serious. It's like it's it's this perfect balance for a blockbuster. Yeah, um, Mission it is. Impossible also does this really well. Um, but like Norrington, I think is the weakest link. I still think his role in this is really interesting. I'm gonna also go with an eight for acting. Eight for acting. Okay. Yeah, I mean. And Johnny Depp, I think Johnny Depp's performance in the first one is better simply because it's like it was more unexpected. Like at this point, he's kind of doing the same thing over again, but like it's the same thing, and the same thing is awesome. Like I, I just love everything he's doing. So whatever. Like I wish you had the clip in here where it's Jack talking to the to those natives, and he's like, "Lam itsy wincy, lam," you know, <laughs> lam, whatever. Lam Uniki. Uniki snip snip. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. I just I don't know where it would come into play here, but I would love to have that. I I love when he is when he's you know about to be 
essentially sacrificed by yeah. the natives that he's the king of, and it's it's great. I am king. Want more wood? Yeah, more wood. You know, and then he's like, you know, seasons himself at the one point when he's getting caught trying to escape <laughs> <laughs> with the pepper. Yeah, but that's uh, good. Yeah. Uh, so look and feel of this. What was your score for acting? Oh, for acting. Acting was a nine for me. Okay. So how do you feel about look and feel? Oh, this is a 10. Like, it's just one of the best looking blockbusters ever. Um, hands down. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I have an issue with in this visually or not. Um, like, that's the primary positive for this is the look and feel. Like, like just the amount of detail. I don't have any um, issues with it. I'm going to give it a, feel I'm, I'm gonna it, yeah. give it a nine. I don't, again, I don't... It, it, I don't, I don't, it doesn't stick out in my mind as being perfect. Like, obviously to you, it's sticking out being this amazing film. To me, it's never done that. So I'm going to give it a nine, but I still think like. Well, amazing production design. Yeah. I, I still think it's great. Um, Final category. The effect. Um, Nine. Like, it's just a great time. Um, Again, and that's what it's intended to do. That's what a blockbuster should do. Uh, and it accomplishes, like, it's just, it reaches every standard I have for a blockbuster. Obviously, it's not perfect. Again, I said the pacing in this one is not as great as the first one, um, but I don't really care because I'm just soaking up the the world, more or less. Another gnarly thing that happens is the bone cages, and Will's, Will, Will's like, yeah, dude, and- where did these where did the cages come from? And then Gibbs is like, they didn't build them until after we, we got here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be true. The- <laughs> These movies definitely, like, there are a million background characters and they are not afraid to, like, you know, redshirt those guys. Or, like, guys. the shorter guy who's, like, sitting in the cage and, like, trying to run along yeah, the floor. Yeah, he can. He's, he's just li- hoisted up by everybody else because it's just everybody running, like, eight people running and he's in the, the only one. one. Well, they always make little people jokes in this. The third one's great with that, too, because he's got, like, this giant... Blunderbuss, oh, yeah, the giant thing and, and it, like, it shoots, it shoots him, him back like twenty feet into a hole. I mean, it's like, and I, and that's another one. I think the third one's actually got even better comedy than this one. Uh, mm. I I really do. I think a lot of the jokes when they're in Singapore is fantastic, and I, I think we should definitely dedicate one day to talking about talking about the third one because I think at World's End I have a lot more to talk about. Um, but. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't even touched on Jack's character arc, which is a really interesting take on, like, the Han Solo type leaves and then comes back to win the final battle. Yeah, he does um, tend to do that. He does tend to pull his Han Solo, doesn't he? Yeah. That's funny. That'd be, But his thing is more like if Han Solo came in and he was the one to shoot the, the proton torpedo and take out the Death Star. Yeah, more or less. I mean, he's, he's more, like, this whole thing is about, like, the grappling of... of where the hero belongs in the yeah. in the in this world. You're you're um, very right. I would have never the, made that comparison. Like but that it's, is it's a, got that is some surprising spot. thematic ambition with uh, that I haven't really really even touched on yet with the the marching on of the new world and and Beckett kind of is the touch point for that and like where and then Davy Jones also as an aging person from like the magical sword like it's just a, it's got a lot of really interesting things going on thematically. Jones is so it's got great. thematic Beckett's ambition awesome. again. Another yeah. thing you don't see in blockbusters is thematic ambition. Like yeah. Yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, I think I'll I'll give my score for effect. I think this film is an eight for me for effect. Um, and 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 once we're done talking about the effect, before we do the final score, I want to talk about. Uh, oh, I guess we don't really have any time, anyways. I just want to say the score, the film. Oh, the, it's a the, banger! The like, like everybody, legit banger. The the parts of the Caribbean scores 
always overlooked because they're so good and it's, there's just a level of quality in every film that they're just always awesome. Like I can legit listen to the Kraken track as just yeah. like a rock and roll head. Like I can just it's vibe great. to it. It's I, so I just amazing. wanted to give like, that, it's that a legit moment electric guitars wailing as it yeah. goes dun 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 Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I just had to give it. that its moment it. there for it's a second. Awesome. Yes, What's your score for effect? Uh, uh, nine was my score for effect. Final score overall for Dead Man's Chest is 84 out of 100. Solid. Which puts it right ab- at the same score as The Shining and right below The Revenge of the Sith. So, I love that Revenge of the Sith comes in higher than The Shining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, all right.